0: Hi there and welcome to my Success Stories podcast. My name is John Belton and thank you for listening. So over the last few weeks I've had a lot of people asking me if there's a trend that's starting to rise or that I see developing within all the podcasts I, I put on and also within my clients I train on a day to day basis. And the answer is yes, yes I do see that. There's a common amount of little things, of habits that these successful people form and I think it's very important to start chatting about that today. So I have my good friend, guest and colleague, Melanie Morris here today because she's the best person at grilling me. I
1: mean, (laughs) asking me questions. Well, I'm the person who's asking you these things because I think it's really interesting, John. When... Oh, sorry. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Getting stuck straight in. John, when did you start training people? Ooh, well... When I was 14 and
0: I was okay. coaching Kevin, of course, but officially and with insurance back in
1: 2004. And I mean, from my knowledge of you, most of your clients seem seem to be kind of successful people. They seem to be high achievers, professionals. Definitely.
0: I would say high achievers, professionals, successful Again, if it, if I was to say, what's my view of success or my filter for success, I would say not all of those people are successful. They've sacrificed a huge amount. Mm-hmm. That's nearly the biggest trend I see is there's a sacrifice, whether it's personal relationship stuff, whether it's um, health and well-being, or whether it's you know, a business sacrifice or a friendship that they've cut out of the way to, to get money. Mm. Um, I think that's that's definitely something I see straight away from the trend is the big sacrifice that's associated
1: with success financially. Well, it's funny because I think when I met you first, it was 2007. Mm-hmm. So it was literally just as the tiger was creaking. And I can remember going into the gym that you were working in at the time and there was various solicitors on the run. And oh my people, God, yes. Can you remember that? I and do pe- remember that, I better not say his name. And people who'd moved to Dubai. And, and basically they were all, there, there was a crack beginning to show. Big time. And these people would have been, inadvertent commas, successful. But their lives were falling apart. Now, I think it's a very binary thing to look on success as being having money. Would mm-hmm. you agree? I think, yes, I
0: do agree. I think money is important. There's, it, it has a big role. Um, definitely it's part of the success journey, but it cannot be what success is all about. If it's defined by money, anyone I've seen that has done that, they've given too much.
1: Is And when is that the sacrifice that you're talking about? It's one of the sacrifices, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, money isn't everything, but it's everything else. You need that. But uh, are successful people... Ones that go on one level, or do they, you know, is a truly successful person somebody who can operate on a number of platforms? Now, I suppose a
0: truly successful person is successful in their mind, if, if that's to be honest. Not, I mean, I'm judging people on what my filter for success is, mm. and that I suppose isn't fair, isn't right. Um, but if, if you're leaving a trail of destruction behind you globally, that's not success. I think yeah. we'll all go, well, you might be successful to yourself, but as far as you're giving back to the world, you're definitely not successful. So, I think within that, that successful realm the biggest thing that we, we kind of want to focus on and what I want to see is that they are trying to keep that balance there and for me I, I strive to find people who can keep the work-life balance you know they're, they're making money they live where they want to live their kids go to school where they want to go their kids are happy and they get to see their kids they are not making no sacrifice with their health that's what I, I think there are very few true Su- truly successful entrepreneurs in Ireland that have all of those boxes ticked. There mm-hmm. are some and I'm very fortunate I've had a coffee with one of them today um, but it's a it's a rarity it really really is um, yeah. and I, unfortunately in some cases what I see getting sacrificed are, are kids kids get sacrificed. Really? Yeah. In
1: what are we talking about the 6am crash or are we talking about Ooh, weekends? I'm talking or?
0: about yeah a number of things 6am uh, crashes weekends and um, I, I mean, I've trained six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. They, they, parents bring them into the gym to get them exercising to, to essentially drop body fat. That's not why we train them. We play with the kid. We yeah. teach them how to, you know, box and how to kick a ball, throw a ball. Myself, Kevin and Liam have a number of young lads that come in and train with us at different stages. And I do see that. It's like the... the I have to They're be very careful the outsourcing problem. Outsourcing. Outsourcing 100%. Um. And I think, that, you know, unfortunately, that is that is a sacrifice. That's a very, very, very common one. You know, people bring their, their dog to work with them. Yeah. But the kid, unfortunately, gets left with a nanny or the kid oftentimes doesn't have anyone to play with them or whatever else it is. I do see that happening.
1: That's really interesting. So they could be seen on paper to be having it all. But really, there's maybe a few little bits that need to be severely re-examined. Massively so. So, okay, well, let's look at success on a wider plane then. And maybe that is somebody maybe who is taking all the various layers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yes. That might be the way of looking at it. Um, You know, everything from a roof over their heads to being able to eat well, to being able to rest, to have a good family life, to have enough work to stimulate them and enough income. Can you see some trends? You know, if you were to pick a few things, what would you say? Do you know most of them do X, Y, Z? Well, I'm going to say this because they come into my gym a lot of times. and mm. You know, we speak to me about
0: Everyone that is successful that I speak to, they have a, like an exercise regime that is solid. It is an appointment in their diary and it happens. And generally it happens very early in the morning. Mm. With the most more successful people, they tend to train before 7, 8 a.m. sort of thing. They've got their workout done and they've done something for themselves to start the day. That's the number one thing I do see. And as I said, I am talking about a demographic that are in a gym. Of course. Uh, but I see that. The other thing I see is that they have... They're pulled by something that I try to I try to get out of them. It's like, what drives you and it's a very individual thing, but there's a driver there. For example, one guy who is a very, very, very successful man um, financially. Mm. And I would also say personally as well, he's very successful and he's a good guy and a really nice guy and his family are all great. And he's all ticks all those boxes. Mm. Um, and this this guy is ha- in his fifties and he's in between businesses at the moment and he has taken on r- rowing in the gym quite a lot. He comes in and used uses the rower himself and he's really got in on the metrics of it. And I remember when he started training with me saying, how cool would it be to row a 5K? The guy's not overweight, slim enough man, and um, you know, he looks relatively fit and healthy, mm. but he couldn't do a chin-up, he couldn't row a kilometre at a time. He rowed his first 5K and it was a great deal he has now rode two marathons
1: himself bloody hell yeah
0: on his own on his own sitting on a rower on a concept 2 rower for anyone who knows what they're like and he's rode he rode a marathon with a charity row that he shared a marathon with as well so he's technically done three marathons now in a rower and Does he get saddle sore? He did at the start, but he said his <laughs> bum has became conditioned to it. Um, but he's uh, he sits on a towel sometimes. <laughs> but he comes in and he just he gets pulled into that. And I was like, God, that's really impressive. And I had a chat with my say, Mister X. He goes I, I was like, how do you feel about it? And he was like, that's fine. I said, we're going to do another one. So we do a little group ones where we link the rows together. Mm. Do it in you, and he goes, Yeah. He goes. I said, Why do you want to do it again? He goes. Because I don't know if I can. So he wants to do it again to see if he still can. I know that sounds a bit silly, but his, it's nearly his fear of not being able to do it that drives him to do it again. And he, this guy is known in the business world for setting up four massive businesses that he exited and got a huge amount of money out of in a very short period of time. And I said to him, do you think that's similar to why you do what you do in business? And he kind of t- thought about it for a second and he went, you know what it kind of is. I thought it was so funny that that was his thing. I've never heard someone saying I keep making hundreds of millions of euros just to see if I can still do it. And it wasn't an
1: ego thing to go, see if I still got yeah. it. It was like, it was nearly a fear of not being able to do it that drove him. But don't you think, I mean, I, you're exactly like that, John. You, it, it, to get John Belton to do anything, you just need to tell him it's something that he's never done before. Yeah. And you will try and embrace it. And I, I, I'm not, in, I'm in the haveny place beside you. But I do think, unless you get a little bit of anxiety about something, it's it's the, the stretch space, isn't it? Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's outside it's you of your grow. comfort zone and it's where you grow. And that's what we we all want to do? And is that maybe where success starts to come? I think that's where
0: success can can start. It's where it can be defined for some people. Um, I do believe that everybody, and that's what I want from this podcast, everyone has the capacity to achieve a lot more. I feel like as a nation, as a species, we all have the capacity to achieve so much more. And I, and I if I'm being honest, I really... I am very passionate about that. I want people to achieve more. I have a guy running the marathon for the first time next year. I'm going to run it with him, sign up in the two for his unit. This guy was like, he had so many things going on at one stage in his life and he was a smoker and he was this, that, and the other. And I just, I get so motivated and driven by that. And I love people to just exercise that peace outside their comfort zone. Mm. And I know how cheesy that sounds as I say that. But the, the reality is what I have seen on all of these journeys, and I get to share a lot of very special journeys with people yeah. through pregnancies, Uh, through business stuff Mm. uh, and even through the negative things and bereavements and all that stuff so I you know as a coach I get very close to my clients and that's Mm. just how I've always done it and the one thing that happens is fear kicks in fear kicks in at many times in life and you know fear kicks in around am I going to be good enough you know and fear kicks in about what will people think and fear kicks in about am I going to lose all my money and fear kicks in you know am I going to be left up a mountain am I going to be left up a mountain who's going to take me down and success comes at the other side of that fear, and again, I know the cheesiness of it, but it, I I get to see that, and having my own experience with fear in many different formats, I realize I've, I've got this this you know this love hate relationship with it now that I know right on the edge of that fear when I'm when I'm just tickling it. Mm-hmm. That's where magic happens. And that's where you're like, I have no clue. And I imposter syndrome is like something I'm very familiar with. As I'm sitting here giving a podcast and <laughs> I now have my own podcast. And it's like, well hold on a second. Who's this guy standing? I here think really? you've just
1: bypassed imposter syndrome. You've just taken it out on well, the Well you just have to knock lane.
0: him out of it. You just have to kind of nudge him out of the way. Yeah. Um but it, it's it's there and as soon as you learn how to Overcome it. As soon as you learn how to go, okay, that's that. Recognize it. Dust it off. Off you go and move forward. That's where success happens. And everybody on their success journey meets that.
1: Mm.
0: Everybody on their on their marathon, seven minutes into their marathon training, want they all want to stop. We yep. all do. And we trick ourselves. Whether that's, oh, I'm going to sing to myself. Or whether that's, I'll just do eight minutes. I'll just do nine minutes. Oh my God, I've done 40 minutes. Mm. But that little fear piece is part of life. And the more we get to become comfortable with it, the more we get to sit with it and the more we get to realise that we just need to acknowledge it and then let it effing go, Yeah. the sooner we can move forward and the more we can achieve great, the quicker we can achieve greatness.
1: It's funny, I don't always think of it as letting go. I think of it as climbing on board because I know oh, yeah. when I've got things going on, um, you know, events that are freaking me out. You get freaked out. I get completely freaked out. And it's so funny because I can usually pinpoint the moment where I climb on board and there'll be a big event that I'm doing or there'll be something that I've over myself for and I literally get to the moment and I resist it all the way along yeah. and I go I'm not going to think about it I'm not going to take it on I'm not going to do that I'm not going to let this get on top of me and then the moment comes where you have to jump on board the, yeah. the bus is leaving the station oh yeah yeah and that's the moment where you just go do you know what Go with it. There's nothing more you can do. And I do think, uh, you know, there's that really, you're talking about cheesy lines, but the one I love is, um, what is it? Uh, The reward for bravery is comfort and success. So if you are brave, the reward for being brave is that you're going to be comfortable eventually. But it's not going to come until you actually just. And in my (laughs) case, you say, let it go. And I say, jump Jump on board. board. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How did you find, how did you learn how to do
1: that? You don't have a choice when you leave it that late. Yeah, OK. <laughs> like, literally, I think, I mean, I can remember uh, with Image, the very first very large Businesswoman of the Year awards that we did. We were completely out of our depth in terms of we had never organised something this big before. We had, I don't know, six or eight hundred people oh coming. God. It was myself and another girl. It was great. It was all organised. There was nothing to be worried about, except now I had to do it. And I can remember standing in my bathroom and just going, you can you can either <laughs> run away Way, yes. which isn't an option, or you're just going to have to go with You can with it. do it. Yeah, and then I, then I kind of always, if I get really nervous about stuff, I think backwards, and I keep thinking, you know, in three days, 15 hours... I'm going to be back in this room and it'll be over and it'll be, it'll be done be and it'll be brain. fine or whatever and you know I was so scared earlier this year about Climbing Karen Tool because all I ever heard about was this you know, scrambling bit of this whatever else Devil's Ladder yeah. Remember, yeah and actually that was I thought the fun part you know I Oftentimes, really did Oftentimes that's it
0: the fun bit is once you get to that out of your comfort zone fear, peace you know that's the bit where, and I suppose your all of your senses are like switched on and ready to go. So you're going, okay, I'm going to get over this bit. And and the the irony is, it's the same in work and in business and all that stuff. That the big challenge that you think is going to be the challenge is the bit that you embrace the most. But what I find is it's the bloody little shell piece at the bottom of yeah, the current two coming you're, down. Where you, where you trip and fall, and
1: you're like, God, I was walking along chatting, and all of a sudden.
0: My bank account's empty again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the other thing I always think of is, you know when you go to the dentist and you're sitting in the chair and you've got all the anticipation of dread in the world on your shoulders and you're lying there and the mouth is open and the injection is coming towards you. You know the minute that baby hits your gum it's going to be fine because your gum's the going to be numb. I love weird. I don't know, I can't explain
0: why that is. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I love going to okay, the dentist. Okay, you're the freak. <laughs> That's me, I'm that guy. But you literally just have to, I find, you have to wait for that yes. much. J- and do you know what it is? It's anticipation. You've just got to jump in, don't you? Jump on board. Mm. Jump in, jump on board, let it go, whatever it might be. Uh, do you think that you have taken,
0: taken from, for example, mm. I, know, I remember running your first 5K with mm-hmm. you. Do you think, learning that little bit of fear and exercise for you translates into running an event with 600 women somewhere? Um, Learning how to
1: overcome the fear, anxiety piece around this. I think the great thing about age is that the older you get, the less things freak you out because you've got something to mirror it onto. Yeah, experience. So I think as long as you've done something of its ilk, uh, then you don't get so scared anymore. So, you know... I've signed up to run a half marathon. I'm going to be planking it, but... I know I've done a 5K and I know I've done a 10K so I know all I have to do is a little bit more of that but the 5K that you made me run and what I loved about you was that time was your power of persuasion because about three weeks beforehand you said to me there's a 5K and it was in December and I was going no, no, no I'm not going to do that and you said yeah, yeah, yeah okay and you left it be and then you come, came back about three days later and you said yeah, that th- that 5K it's on such and such a date and I was going yeah, no, I'm not doing it and you're going yeah, okay and you came back the third time and you're going "Well, you could." Do do it this way and you literally just kept yeah. dropping the seed <laughs> and that takes the fear away because it's bite sized chunks as opposed to you're going to do this off we go yeah
0: yeah that's true I do remember that um, I do remember that 5k I don't remember the bite sized chunks I think now I've, I've gotten a little bit more like I'm just going to sign you up and we're going to do it <laughs> <laughs> which isn't well it's working still Same money but that different. was a big achievement and I do see that you know with I've yet to see one person who I'm not just in my gym or anything Mm. else like that and I've remember I've travelled worked for CrossFit for six years so I've travelled all over Europe the Middle East Asia working with athletes working with people in gyms lecturing and doing all that sort of stuff and I've yet to meet somebody who's trained in a gym that hasn't taken the skills from the gym and brought it into their you know Mm. personal life into their business life and helped you know overcome the fear and in, in the crossfit world, they talk about in the middle of a wad, you know, you're burning and work you're, out you're, you're of in the day exactly. Mm. You're in the the pain cave, and they're like that's where all the magic happens, and it's really cheesy. I know that, but it really is true.
1: Well, there's only one. It's that it, the great Churchill line: "When in hell, keep going."
0: Exactly Because yes. if you just
1: stay there It's going to be <laughs> You're going to get burnt
0: Very quickly <laughs> Yeah
1: yeah And also it's that great line um, I know we both know Fiona Gratzer mm-hmm. um, Who's the managing director Of Unislim yeah. Ireland And you, heard, you know She's always going I'm only half, away, half an hour away From a better mood
0: So funny She's a great She's a really Really inspiring woman Yes
1: Yeah yeah But tell me a bit more About all your successful clients What else do they have You know are they You were telling me They're early risers Early risers Mm-hmm. Uh Journalers in some, is that a
0: word? Journalers yeah, they journal. They ju- they journal, yes. Um, on some level. So in some cases, it'll be people will write it into their phones. A lot of cases, they, they have little goals or they have images. So some people are visually driven or they like to just write stuff down. And they'd like to see stats. But they all have metrics. And they go, okay, this is where I am now. This is where I want to get they'll write out their big goals, their big visions and they'll review where they were. So they get in on the details and they Mm. work hard for it. They don't just kind of go, yes, if I, you know, say I want a Ferrari, I'm going to get a Ferrari in six months. They have images on their phones or they have it written down somewhere. And a lot of them, ironically don't want to allude to the fact that they have a mood board Mm. uh, I write it down somewhere but a lot of people do keep mood boards a lot of people write it down and they have it beside their bed or they have it on the screensaver of their phone a lot of times people will hand you their phone for whatever reason to do their parking as they're warming up or something and I see all sorts of images or all sorts sorry that sounds strange images (laughs) on their phones but I will see like inspiring images of a house or of a diamond ring or of a person or of a whatever that is and they're things that are staying in their focus so I suppose you could say people who are successful and people who they well ironically they all want to achieve more because they have these things on their phone so they never just settle with that one piece of success that they have but they keep that goal very close to them and they, they keep it in their, in their sight.
1: Matter of interest what's your home screen at the moment? It's still Adrian Okay, which is interesting because mine is a picture of my mother's recent birthday. That is my mother, my father Ah, and Flumpy. But isn't it funny how both of our things are people related and not material? Yeah. So obviously humans mean an awful lot more to us. Like, would I be right? If we have that human connection, it makes the achievement all the better. Yeah. Whatever that achievement
0: might be. So I'm not going to get into the soppy how much I love Adrian stuff again. sure yeah. Why not? <laughs> but look, it. I did have a picture of Adrian sitting beside the area that we originally wanted to get married mm. on my phone, and it's still the, not the lock screen, the other one, whatever mm. that's called, um, because I was so bricking it about having to ask her, to, having to ask her about her <laughs> saying no, essentially. Yeah. Um. So yes. That, that has been a huge part of my life uh, was, was having that there and I was like, that is my number one goal. Mm. One thing I've noticed about myself is if there's one little piece, I can have all sorts of general business, big stressors going on in my life and sleep soundly at night. If I've, Anyone in my family or anyone that's especially important to me, if there's something going on with them, I don't sleep at night and I feel it physically as far as the stress of the whole thing. It's
1: the gut, the the kick in the stomach. Yeah, it's like right
0: down in my stomach and I can't sleep and I get very worried and I get stressed and I do. And that just shows how I'm driven and it shows how you're driven and it's probably why we get on so well Mm -hmm. because we understand, like, at the end of the day, what else is there to life if it's not about the people around you and keeping them safe, healthy, happy that's just my filter of what Mm -hmm. success is and it's probably held me back a lot in some ways because I haven't grown the business or pushed it in certain directions because I want to bring everybody possible along with me but
1: you have every Belton that ever existed working
0: in in the gym my mum and dad are now working on the weekends they're part of our um, little hill walking club that we have so we do hiking and running on the weekends and we have a run club now in the gym that's a free run club I'm going to Pitch it out there. Okay, where do
1: we turn up and when?
0: Uh, Tuesday evenings, 5 30 at the gym, which is Vault No. 8 Park Place, Upper Hatch Street. Behind
1: the pod back in the day.
0: Exactly. Depending on the age group, you say it's where the pod used to be, or you say it's beside the Harcourt Lewis station.
1: Or Finlater's wi- Wines. Wasn't that the other place That was it used to exactly, be? yes, yeah.
0: exactly. So we have about 20 people there who, who we've only been in for a couple of weeks. It's a free run club, and we go out and we run around the streets of Dublin and we have a little stretch and it's essentially a nice way, instead of sitting in traffic, it's a nice way to spend your afternoon. Great fun, and I love it. Uh, we had one on Tuesday night, and we, I took everyone out to Stevens Green. We did a little jog, a few running drills, and we went to do a time trial lap of Stevens Green. So there was 15, 18 people standing there, and I was holding all their jumpers. And I had my watch ready, and I was like, right, we're going in five seconds. And this guy walks over to me, who was um, he was homeless, I would imagine. And let's just say he was definitely not fully coherent when he came over to me. he goes... Is there a charity race on? <laughs> and I went No it's just a little run club And he goes What? And I went Three, two, one go And he quickly popped out A, cu- a couple of stretches And took off Running with everybody Around Stephens Green Brilliant In his jeans In his like Wobbling lock Not a bother on him And he came around Did the full lap With Ironically There was one lady Who was coming around At the back of the pack Yeah And he ran with her Ah And he ran with her And he came in And he went Is there any free (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts?
1: Has he got a Flow State t-shirt now? Not
0: yet. But if if I could find him, if he happened to listen to this podcast, I'd love him to come back to the Run Club. (laughs) I kind of had this moment where I was like, oh my God, imagine if we could go around and there's so many homeless people in Dublin at the moment. It breaks my heart to see it. Imagine if we could get them exercise and get a little run club going. Well, through. do you know what?
1: <laughs> we all know how great we feel after a run, and we all know the most terrifying thing about run is a run is the first step. Exactly. So you know, it's amazing to think what what power comes from a little bit yeah, of exercise. Yeah, it was really, really say. nice, and I've yeah. drifted off, but my no, but it's a great
0: story. It was so nice mm. to see it, and uh, and everybody else who's in the club, the group as well, were like. Did that just happen? It was a mad experience. And uh, yeah, like hats off to him. He ran in his jeans and he had a pair of shoes on him and he flew around and he waited with the last girl. Now, unfortunately, I I would have given them the shirt off my back, only it was cold.
1: (laughs) That that would have been the last shirt. Can I ask you about one thing? People go on about, um, and I'm just wondering, you know, when you're being motivated to do stuff, people go on about um, willpower is not lasting that you have to have something else I don't quite get this one but can yeah. you explain it a little bit because willpower ceases to happen after a certain stage and you need something else to keep you motivated yeah well I think that comes from a structured training plan if
0: it's if we're talking about exercise which I always like I mm-hmm. said to you when you're like my barometer for everything comes back to exercise and my training and testing and lifting and all of that so if we're to use training as the example if if I constantly say I want to run a 5K and run it faster and then train it. I do think that willpower starts to go when you don't see results.
1: Mm,
0: okay. And I think because we're an aging demographic that are in the gym all the time the people are going to get to that threshold at some stage where they don't run a faster 5K or they might not care as much about it. Mm. So I think learning to have an open mind in your training as far as going right I want to run a 5K and this is, all, this is what pulled me to CrossFit initially was run a 5K, lift a weight, see how many pull-ups you can do. Do like a handstand walk. So I was like, these are all skills that I'm good and really bad at. This is a massive challenge and learning to take on new tasks and, you know, really work on your weaknesses brought me so far forward and all good things but also just opened my eyes to the world a lot more. So I know it started drifting off and what I mean by that is I think the willpower for success needs to be constantly nurtured with new stimulus. Okay. Meaning, Success in business is and and a lot of times people find these passion projects like I found myself with flow state, and it pulls you forward and it opens up these new doors where you're talking to these creative people and you're talking to these people who are, you know, in business and who are sitting somewhere selling their art or you see the world with a new filter and Mm. you see it and you can take that and grow and not get pulled because that can very easily happen. But take bits from that, that that come back to your own little business ventures and your own little successors that you're chasing. And then all of a sudden it just brings you this more diverse view of success. And then all of a sudden it pulls you forward. That's what I think when it, with the
1: willpower piece. So it stops you stagnating basically by introducing new ingredients all yeah. the time. It's getting different parts of the brain stimulated. It's creating a new story for yourself. Course, it's pushing you forward. New challenges and new exercises that challenge you in the gym.
0: But new exercise that challenge you intellectually in business or new ex- exercises that challenge you from a personal point of view. Go on a date when you're, you know, feel like you shouldn't be going on a date Mm, mm, mm. or, you know, that story that you're telling yourself, change that story. And I think uh, that's where willpower then comes because you're like, okay, so I've done this for my 5Ks initially, so I know I can do it for that. Mm. Now I'm going to apply that to a deadlift. Now I'm going to apply that to setting up my own business. That sounds very simple, but I do think it comes back to very simple metrics and very simple things. I think when it comes to success in business, people feel like they need to have this very complicated business plan mm. and they need to be needs to be backed up by this market research and sometimes you just need to jump. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to go with it. Because I think a lot of times market research and all of that sort of stuff is very, very important. But it's sometimes it's also stuff to back up that fear.
1: It's also sponsored a lot of the time by exactly. a p- one
0: particular opinion. Exactly. And you know, paper never refuses ink. So you can think you're gonna
1: do great and not yeah. from a business plan. So I like your way of looking at it. So willpower is almost like the ignition spark. And then yeah. it's up to you to keep clattering it away as much you as you possibly keep putting can. putting fuel in there. Yeah. And I love the idea of trying lots of different things because some will wither wither and die, Yeah. but others may be a springboard into something else. Yeah. And, and
0: along the way, you're going to learn so much about yourself. You're going to yeah. learn about, you know, you work with people who are different. I know there's a saying, you know, you should spend more time talking to people under six and over 80. Mm. Um, and yesterday I was in a nursing home with an 82 year old who's wheelchair bound. And, uh, she was giving out about my moustache, rightly so. <laughs> sure isn't everyone. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so interesting sitting, talking to her. And I was like, you know what? It's important to stop and be around people like this as well. Mm-hmm. And and not just, oh my God, a person's so inspiring because they're achieving this. It's like the real world and sitting down with real people, it helps to ground you, but it also helps to open your eyes and focus you a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, does everyone who's successful have some sort of aha moment come to Jesus whatever (laughs) moment where they are looking themselves in the eye Um, do they all I don't think so actually
0: I think sometimes I think a lot of times people are successful um, because of you know how hard they've worked throughout their lives and how hard their parents have perhaps helped them get Mm. started I don't think everyone has an aha moment I do think people have this holy crap moment where there's a I've, I've yet to meet someone successful in the business sense and successful in, th- in that kind of financially and all that sort of stuff. I've yet to meet someone that hasn't had a quarter-life crisis, a mid-life crisis, or, a, you know, or a number of them mm. um, where they have, have had that p- point where they were really rattled. Mm. And it can happen sometimes when there's a bereavement. It can happen when there's, you know, a, a family member gets pregnant. It can happen when there's, you know, a breakup or... A personal health care and I I think everybody has had that at some stage where they went oh hold on for a second I am human or oh my god that's more important to me than I thought and I think that helps to ground people and it either helps in in some cases it can completely stop them in their tracks but in some case, in other cases it drives them forward and they're going well I really know that this is something that's important to me and I'm going to achieve success in this area of my life So that this isn't an issue for me moving forward.
1: So again, it's a nice little reality check maybe, or it's another catalyst?
0: Yes, both gut check as as such. So you're going, oh, that was tough. That was a blow. And it's also a little bit of a way for you to exercise that, okay, I have to overcome something here. And then it it can be a catalyst for change and a catalyst for
1: growth. Um, In order to be a really successful person, do you need to be Mark Pollock or do you need to be one of these supercharged people? Or do you think normal people can escape the normal or can jump out of the normal. Do you think it's nurture or nature?
0: I think it's nurture, not nature. Okay. I th- I th- as in, I think everybody can be as successful as they want to be. That's a very general statement, but I think a lot of people need to just learn it, to learn what they, what success means to them. Mm. Um, I mean, Mark Pollock is very successful in so many ways and has been so unsuccessful in parts of his life so unfortunate in parts of his life. Mm. And I mean, I know Mark, I haven't spoken to him for a while, but Mark is, I mean, I shook hands with Mark for the very first time in 2011 and I felt electricity off the man. He's so much energy um, and he's such an inspiring guy and he's so positive. But Mark will tell you himself that he also has those dark times and those doom and gloom times that, you know, are only understandable. Um, So I don't think everyone has this kind of, Nature, natural kind of piece where it's, oh no, I'm going to be successful and off they go. It's nurtured. It's how your parents are, are kind of, how they talk to you. It's, it's your kind of family values. It's where you're brought up. It's the community around you. That definitely helps. Mm. And then inevitably it comes down to the choices that you start to make in your life. And if you choose positivity and if you choose to be successful with this. And if you choose to not listen and if you choose to get on board with the fear and not listen to the negative voice, Mm. uh, you're on the right path to success 100%. I think that's that's where we all have that decision that we get to where we go, oh God, I could just cheat this one and not do this. Or I can avoid that because it's a bit scary. Or this is uncomfortable. I'm going to walk away from it. I think we all have that. I don't mm. see why anyone wouldn't have that. I don't think that's a nature thing. I think as soon as you make that decision to go, this is scary, but I'm going to jump on board. That's when you move forward. And and the people who don't, who who, who decide not to do that, that case, mm. perhaps miss out on the success that
1: they could be achieving. So is this where training can help? Is this where working as a personal fitness coach, you can kind of take somebody to that and get them comfortable with? pain uncomfortable yeah
0: yes exactly it's coaching and for me I have a business coach who sits down with me and they make me feel extremely uncomfortable about loads of things and I hate it and then I sit down with it and then I grow from it and exercises taught me that and then I can now relate that back to my clients and I'm talking to them like well why do you think you're giving up on this why do you think you're stopping what's going on there and are you going to give up all the time or are you going to learn to overcome that what do you think's going to happen and to revert back to our run club, we did a... I was like, right, we're doing a time trial tonight, which is a time trial around Stephens Green, mm. which is 1.18 kilometres. Everyone finished it. They were wrecked. And then we did a shuttle run along the side of Stevens Green, which everyone was really tired and They thought we were jogging home. and go, right, you right, <laughs> exit. Listen, I don't mind that. I go, right, we're going to do our time trial again around Stevens Green. And everyone looked at me and went, what? But I've just given it everything on that. And I went, here's the time trial again. Off we go. And... <laughs> Numbers was, drop because of yeah, all the well, people that had sorry. anyone Sorry, that doesn't happen every week. Um, <laughs> and it was ironic because we timed everyone and I called out their times. Mm. And most people were within 10 to 15 seconds, which is really, really good considering the block of training they'd done in the middle of that time trial. So they were mm. about 10 seconds slower. And one guy was a minute and a half. And he was the guy who came first on the first round. Sorry, he was ex- he was yeah. the first non-trainer on the first round. And he was a minute and a half slower. And I, I, I said, what happened? He goes, I just got into my own head. He said, I got into my own head. I, I, he said, I, honestly, I thought about at one corner, it, I thought about just giving up and walking back. And I went, right, and what did you do? And he goes, well, I had a little chat with myself, and I got around it. And I went, okay, so what have you learned from that? And he's like, well, I said, what do you think was going to happen? Why did you, why did you give up? And he goes, because it was uncomfortable. And I felt like, I was like, I don't think I can take this. I said, and what did you think was going to happen? He so said, my legs were a bit sore and I couldn't catch my breath. I was like, and what? And like, that's okay. That's uncomfortable. Just It's just another state to be in. So the more exposure you get to that, yeah, it's uncomfortable. But if you can flip the switch and be like, this is uncomfortable, grand, off we go. That's where I see the John O'Regan's of the world who can run for 24 hours, they go, this is uncomfortable. Uh, I have diarrhea and I'm getting sick <laughs> and I'm starting to have hallucinations. Ah, oh, grand, off we go. I never want to go to that extreme just yeah. for the level. But learning to there sit there. are levels There, of there are levels. And yes, we don't push it to having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. But understanding that feeling uncomfortable and feeling a little bit out of breath or quite out of breath, that will end. That's a bit of adversity. That's a bit, little bit of a difficult piece. Then we jogged up the road and stretched and he sent me a big very kind email afterwards thanking me. This is a guy who's very senior in a very big business mm. in, located very close to me mm-hmm. and he said that was so good. He said such good learning about myself and that, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so I think that it's really important to to get comfortable with that uncomfortable piece, and yeah. exercise always brings that back. You know, you're sitting on a rower for a marathon distance. That is, and it's a he's a really respectable three-hour something time. Wow. it's like it's very impressive, um, and it's it's hard to not sit there going, "Right, that man. There's a reason he's extremely successful in business as well as extremely successful as, as a rower now in his late fifties for the record. Wow, and um, and it's it's not but it's not by chance. It's a, it's, it's definitely something that, exposure to being uncomfortable um, and then just building a resilience to that, it just is so powerful and so important.
1: Well, I think we've gone a full circle know, on the rower. We've done a little rowing <laughs> marathon. It's been really good and I think if people like what they're listening to, they can like this podcast. Definitely, yeah. Follow it.
0: Like it, follow it and maybe even give us a little rating on the uh, Apple podcast
1: yeah, piece. Yeah, very good.
0: And yeah, that'd be brilliant.
1: Before we go, I have a few questions because we put a thing up on Instagram. Q&A. Yes. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, you don't know any of these questions. No. I, I have one question. I have one question myself. Branch chain amino acids.
0: I personally, like with everything I do, I won't have an opinion on something until I've tried it myself. Okay. And I have to say branch chain amino acids both improve how I recover, help me put on lean tissue and... Uh, definitely make me stronger so when should you take them I always take them intra-workout in the middle of in the middle towards of towards the end uh, don't think it makes that much difference enough of a difference to matter when but I, it, one thing it does as well is encourages me to drink a bit more water in my workout which definitely would help all those things uh, but I 100% uh, do do believe in them and what flavour do you like uh, I like flavourless things generally mm. I like to take the sugar out but berry. Berry.
1: Yeah. Okay, and Any sort of berry. Now, for people who find they have hit a plateau with either weight or cardio training, what is the best approach to kickstart things again so you continue to see results? Um, so if it's, with, do you mean with losing weight or with weight um, type training? This is from a guy. And so I think he means both losing weight and or um, progress.
0: Gotcha. So if he's plateauing with losing weight, has he plateaued losing body fat or just weight on scales? I'd say body fat. performance okay so dropping body fat is something that is a the journey it's that journey of the squiggly line between Mm -hmm. a and b everything's a straight line and then all of a sudden you wake up six weeks later and you have abs the reality is it's not and you will go through different cycles you have to i would say the first thing you need to look at is his stressors Mm. so is he sleeping enough if you're not sleeping enough it doesn't matter if you're standing on your head lifting weights drinking amino acids and nothing good will happen. So optimize sleep. I would say probably look at things away from the gym to -hmm. improve the gym. Okay. As a quick answer. Sleep, stress, nutrition,
1: supplementation. Well, that's interesting because that leads to the next question. Is there truth in there's no such thing as overtraining, only under recovering? 90% truth.
0: So yes, you can overtrain and you can do too much and burn yourself out. But if you can afford to get the sleep in, you can train pretty hard. And when we go on our retreat holidays, we sleep for nine to 10 hours and we train four times. They're hiding from you. Everyone's like, no, no, I need to sleep some more. Like, (laughs) I
1: am asleep. I hate them. them. Don't come in here. I'm
0: sleeping. (laughs) Uh, And you can train four times a day. So sleep definitely is important and recovery. If you do that, you can dramatically
1: increase your training load. I think I thank you for that answer. Okay, best exercises and movements to improve chin-ups. First of all, eccentric chin-ups which are
0: loaded can be another variation but jumping up and then slowly lowering yourself down I'd say even prior to that you need to make sure your shoulder blades are moving properly mm-hmm. shoulder blades tend to get stuck to our spine and or sorry onto a rib cage and they don't slide as you correct your posture there mm-hmm. as we all do so our shoulder blades sh- should initiate the the pull on a chin up as they retract and pull with the big mus- muscles in our lats down along our side so doing some work to make sure that's going on or getting assessed to make sure your shoulder blades work once you can do that jumping up And then slowly lowering your body down to full extension, which is when your arms fully straighten and your shoulder blades relax. I'm acting out a chin up in the chair here. Mm -hmm. That is the most important thing. I would do three sets of that for about three to five reps, lowering at about a three to five second pace coming down. If you, st- I would do that for a number of weeks then I would add load to that so a slight like a weighted vest or a little dumbbell between your legs so you're now lifting your body weight plus two, two plus two and a half to twenty kilos whatever you want to load it up to and lowering down so what you're doing there is you're training the muscles how to work in an eccentric manner which mm. is a lowering phase which is where most of the strength is, is produced on a strength curve so when you're trying to build strength that's how you do it i.e. if I handed you a hundred kilos dead on a bar mm. and you're standing up tall you could hold it and you could Control it, put it down on the ground. But you wouldn't be able to lift it back up. So generally, you're like 115, 120% stronger on an eccentric piece to concentric. So train that piece first with full range of motion and then start bringing in your chin ups off of that. Give it about eight weeks, six, eight weeks. Cool.
1: Uh, Would you let a child weight train or what age to begin? Yes. Oh. I would. At what age? Well, I've been around infants who
0: are in nappies Doing overhead squats with PVC pipes and <laughs> are they Beltons? They're not Beltons, <laughs> but they're they're from a line of Olympians. So um, I th- I have seen loads of kids exercising from very very young ages. Uh, I would say it's kids being around and I mean when if I think about my childhood I've been playing football and doing all sorts of stuff from as soon as we could walk we've been around my uncles and a very fitness family so exercise and training have always been there and weight training is such a bad rap when it comes to kids you know how their bodies are formed and it stunts your growths and all of that stuff and I had a very interesting conversation with Dr. Andrew Franklin Miller from Santry Sports Surgery Clinic. A lot of S's, um, about this. He is a son who I train. He's six foot two. I've been training him since he was thirteen, mm. and uh, he took his biggest growth spurt while he was strength training. Uh, so, if you're nervous about your your kid's strength training, and if you're if, if you feel like it's you know it does have a bad rap, uh, I would say it's because generally any of the horror stories you've you've heard have came from kids who have been incorrectly strength training, i.e. bench pressing five times a week, trying to get their chest all big and not developing their posture, not developing their core muscles, not developing their mobility. Uh, In the ideal world, I'd love to get... If I fortunately have kids at some stage, I'd love them to do some gymnastic stuff because it teaches you great awareness around your body. And then I would also even have some very simple Pilates um, movements there as well because I think they're a great foundation. Coupled up with, like that, some weightlifting movements with a PVC pipe or with a, a broom handle, absolutely a great place to start and you could start them at any age.
1: Cool. Exercising after break of foot, fifth metatarsal. Want to get back to running, but week 12 and still sore presuming they're going to a physio and getting professional guidance
0: on it. Mm. Um, If the metatarsal is causing problems and they want to get running, then rowing is a good substitute for rowing, for running, excuse me, a lot of the same muscles are used. It's different, less load bearing, less impact. Um, It's a good way to keep, if you think of the energy systems that you're using for a 20 minute run, 20 minute 5k, you're using a lot of same energy systems on a 20 minute row. So it can be a good substitute for running, for running. Um, And it can be a great way to keep your aerobic base there. So when your foot does heal up a little bit more, it's just a case of getting time on your feet again, not God, I've lost all of my aerobic fitness.
1: Yeah. So the rower can be your friend as well as your foe. Rower can be your friend
0: as can cycling. Think, think, think outside the box. Um, but if it's still sore and it's caused, how many weeks did you say this? Twelve. Twelve weeks later, I'd be definitely getting a second opinion, getting an x ray again, seeing what's going on because the feet, the little intricate bones in the wrists and feet
1: can be devils to get right. Right. Last question. Suggestion for people who either struggle to or can't find time to eat two to three hours before exercising uh, to give energy hit needed to perform.
0: Uh, First of all, they don't need to eat two to three hours before exercising to give energy hit. That's something they've read somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, If if you have a balanced diet and you're getting your food in from the day before, you've got enough glycogen in your muscle to perform whatever exercise you want to perform. my last marathon was, if I ra- did all my training, my long runs were all fasted runs, meaning that I'd get up, I'd have maybe a, a quick uh, Nespresso capsule, mm-hmm. and then, well, I'd have a coffee, not the actual capsule. <laughs> I don't eat Nespresso capsules. Yes. Um, yes. And then i do a 15, 18, whatever it is, mile run, and I may take a gel towards the end of it if, I wa- if, I f- if that was where, you know, if the pace was going up on it. So... I don't accept that, oh, I, I'm not able to train today because I haven't eaten enough. That's not the case. Yeah. And the fact that you're, you know, you're in the gym and you're getting moving, getting active, your body will have enough stored glycogen to perform the exercise. So if you're struggling and it's becoming another stressor, don't worry about it. Don't worry about not eating before. You don't have to have a bowl of Flavin's porridge before your, you know, two hours before you work it, And you don't have to have a, a protein meal 15 minutes afterwards. If that's causing you added stress, it's countering the, benefits of your mm. exercise
1: brilliant thank you very much John thank you we're going to be successes in and out of the gym Well, we'll work on it constantly <laughs> cheers John thanks thank you